The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning. I think we're about to get started. Good morning. A couple side notes from uh, last night. Samuel stayed up really late with me last night, and we were working, editing out some stuff, and he says, hey, Dad, how many pages do we have of this sermon left? (laughs) Do we have? I love that. So I was like, you know, Sam, I was like, just a couple. He's like, only two? And I said something like that, bud. And he sat there with me. And then two, if you see a gold sparkle on my face, I assure you that is not anything angelic. <laughs> there was gold paint in my house that had glitter on it. And one of my children caked the soap, um, dish soap handle And I wiped it up with a towel, and this morning while I was brushing my teeth, I wiped said face with towel, or with said towel. And so if I have a gold shimmer, I assure you I did not put on any sort of body glitter, and uh, it was not my intention to look like a Christmas ornament. So... um, If you guys weren't aware, today is actually the first Sunday of Advent. If you have not picked up one of these books, it is the promised one, Advent Readings from Christianity Today uh, 2022. We have multiple copies of these in the back. They are free. They are great to do with your family. Uh, Every year, Susanna and I and our children will generally sit around and uh, we light a candle of the Advent wreath just in anticipation of Jesus' coming, and we'll read whatever the daily reading is. It's marked each day for the day that you're on. And then we'll finish by singing a hymn together and then generally praying. So it's a wonderful time of family devotions. And if this is not something you do, I'm encouraging you to do it because I didn't grow up on it, and I absolutely love it. Um, So that is my Advent rant. And And I... I'm telling you, if you didn't grab one on the way in, please grab one on the way out. This is free. It is for you. It will add so much delight to your holiday season. Um, So let's jump in. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are so good and that you are so holy. You desire to know us. This isn't a one-way relationship, God. And I think I came away more convicted about that through studying for this morning. And I'm asking, Father, that you would remind us of what you have done through Jesus, the birth of that baby, and what that means to our world. 
Leave this this morning in your name, amen. So the story of Christmas is the same each year, but we hear it in a new way. We have been changed by a year of hopes, dreams, fears, and failures. The story of Jesus finds us in that new place. Salvation comes personally. Sharing our spaces, in this series, we will see how God communicated personally with each person. Invited into the Christmas story, We hope that you will hear his personal invitation to salvation again this year. Have you ever wondered if the desires of your heart matter to God? Have you ever prayed so hard for something and because it wasn't answered right away, you wondered if God truly cared about it? We hosted community group this Monday night this past Monday night, and I was leading and I asked, has anyone ever had to wait a long time for prayer to be answered? And my wife said, well, this might embarrass Jake, but, (laughs) and every single year that I have lived up until that moment flashed before me. And I said, here we go. And I put on a seatbelt. With tears streaming down her face, I prayed for 14 years that Jake would be a godly husband for me and put our family first. And if that makes you sad, that's okay, because it makes me sad too. No excuses, guys. I wasn't home the way I should have been. I was physically present, but I was mentally all over the place. I had friends over all the time. Most of the time, they slept over. So the earlier part of our marriage, I spent most time with friends all hours of the night until I passed out in my living room. And then probably in more recent years, I had spent most of my time at concert venues and clubs chasing what even um, might be considered foolish. We would argue about it because she wanted me to quit shows and to be home and I just couldn't do it. And Susanna felt alone. She went to bed alone constantly. She cried out in prayer day after day, month after month, and year after year, until one night her prayers were answered. Because the pandemic had just started. And God used the pandemic to slow my life down. And I was able to see who I had become, and the pain that I had caused my family. And while Susanna was lying in bed one night and I could feel that she was cold and distant, I kind of nudged her. You know like when you want to have an important conversation you just like nudge somebody? Because you're like kind of just laying there so you nudge them. And I said, I'll quit. I told her that I knew that I had lived selfishly and that I was sorry And I told her that I was willing to do what it takes to be the husband that she needed me to be and the father that my children needed. And my wife had been praying for a long time with no answer. So when she heard that, do you think she believed me? No. In her mind, she's like, this is pandemic, Jake. 
And the minute the pandemic's over, the venues will open up and Jake's going to be right on the streets, leaving me alone again. So she was not quick to believe, but the change was real. And she shared that on Monday as well. And I think we see a similar story of prayer from a man named Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. And our big question that I want to look at this morning is, do the desires of our heart matter to God? And this big idea that God has this bigger story he's telling, but that he doesn't forget our story within his bigger story. And what we're going to do is we're going to read through Luke 1, 5 through 25, and then Luke 157 through 80, and I'm going to point out just a few things quickly for you, and I'm going to show you that you absolutely matter to God and how exciting it is that he loves us the way that he does. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense and when the time for the burning of incense came all the assembled worshipers were praying outside then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. 
When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And now you're going to jump over to 57 so that you guys know that there was a break there. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. It was like people were rejoicing at his coming. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, which would have been like a wooden tablet with wax over the top of it. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. It's almost like he was turning hearts back to the father. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. And so there's a lot of information there, and there are a lot of verses. I think it's like 40-something, and I'm going to preach on every single one of them. No, I'm not. I did last year, though, so you can look it up and listen to it. I think I went 38 minutes, and I almost line-by-lined it. It's wild. Um, But some background for context is King Herod was on the throne in Judea. Herod was not of Jewish descent. He was put into power by the Roman government. This is the same Herod who felt threatened by the prophecy of the coming Jesus that he sent the wise men to go follow and find him. And then when they had tricked him, he was angry. So he killed all the firstborn boys to hopefully stop the line that was to produce Jesus. That's Herod. And that's who's in power at this time. And after we learn about him, we are brought to this character of Zechariah. Zechariah is to be 
the father of John the Baptist, the only biographical sketch you are going to find on Zechariah is found in Luke chapter 1. It doesn't exist in the other Gospels. This Gospel starts earlier at John's beginning of life and not Jesus's birth. Does that make sense? This is the first time you're going to see that. And Zacharias was married to Elizabeth. Zechariah works as a priest coming from the line of Abijah. Abijah's division is the 20 or is the eighth of 24 different divisions. So there are a lot of priests. Elizabeth also comes from a line of priests that date back to Aaron. They were seen as godly people because they observed the laws and decrees. They were not perfect people. They were blameless because they considered God in their godly living. They knew the law of God. And so as they observed it, as they followed it, as they listened to it, it made them righteous, right? So we can't look at that and say, well, they're just these perfect people because they were not. And while Zechariah and Elizabeth lived godly lives, they were unable to have children because Elizabeth was barren. And this is bad because in this time when women could not have children, it was looked upon as like a divine disfavor. So could you see how much of a challenge that would be for someone who people know to be of a priestly line who's ultimately blameless, right, following the law and decrees of God, but cannot have a child. That would send such a conflicting message, like how could someone not be able, how could somebody in her position not be favored by God? That was like what they would think. And obviously that's not true, but that's what they were thinking. But what the people didn't know about Zechariah and Elizabeth was that God was about to show up in an amazing way And not only answer the desire of their heart, but also his ultimate desire as well. Because what God is doing, sorry, is uh, he's bringing forth the message of Jesus. But in that, he's talking about John the Baptist leading the way for that. So that's where we find ourselves in the story. These passages are long. So I'm going to point out four things. And the first thing I'm going to tell you about is how God finds a way to enter the story. And I know what you're thinking immediately. You're like, he created the story, Jake. There isn't a part of the story that he's not a part of. But I'm talking about his physical, actual presence where they're aware of him. You see, they had been praying for a very, very long time that God would give them a child. But there were obstacles that were in the way of that happening. One, Elizabeth is barren. She cannot produce children. Two, they're old in age, which means fertility is probably not crazy, right? Because like when we get older, we don't have the ability to have children. So there are two clear obstacles. Man is not going to change the situation here. So what they need is the impossible to enter the story. It's that Christmas idea that the impossible people living in sin, separated from God, would be able to made right and brought closer to God through Jesus. It's that same impossible that God entered into our story. But he, so I find that detail kind of interesting, right? 
Because they need him to show up. Their only hope is that God would enter their story. Because there is no other way that a child is coming. The second thought I had with this, of like how God enters this story, is notice Zechariah was going to work that morning to do his task as a priest in the temple. Right? And it fell upon him by lot that he would go to burn incense at the altar that's in front of the veil. When I did some research and reading, what I found out was that priests very rarely did this job more than one time in their life. So God is entering this story at a specific time. It's like he created this divine appointment to meet with Zechariah and tell him that the desire of his heart is going to come true and that that's going to lead to a greater coming. But this is that first thing. And so he's entering into this impossible situation and then he's setting up a divine appointment and God is getting ready to do something. And so if anyone's sitting here and you're thinking, I've been praying for a long time and it doesn't matter. I mean, he enters the impossible. He sets up opportunities. He joins into the story. So God is telling this greater story, right? And he's not forgetting the story that we also have in the process of that story that he's telling. The second thing, I, I thought it was interesting how God's message is more, um, it's more personal or it's specific, right? Zechariah was in the temple burning his incense to the Lord and Gabriel appears next to him at the altar. He's on the right side of the altar. And Zechariah was frightened. But why was he frightened? The reason that he was frightened was because he probably believed that the angel was showing up to punish him. He's probably like, why would God or an angel come visit me? He's going to probably see something I'm doing wrong. And then he's going to really let me have it. And how do you think Zechariah felt when the angel was like, do not be afraid? He was probably like, well, that settles it, right? I mean, that's kind of incredible. Like, he was probably really scared in that moment. Like, I'm about to get killed here. <laughs> and he's like, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been answered. Your wife will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. So instead of coming for punishment... He's coming to give a very personal message to Zechariah. And I find this to be kind of a huge revelation in the heart of God. Because look at the priority when the angel is talking to Zechariah. We know that he's coming, heralding the coming Christ. But the first thing he says isn't, Jesus is coming, get ready the troops. He says, Zechariah... Your prayer has been heard. What you <laughs> desire most that you and your wife have sat and prayed for fervently for years and years and years, like my wife did for my heart, right? 
I'm going to give you that. So if anyone has ever wondered if the desires of your heart matter to God, I hope that warmed your heart. Because clearly God cares about the smaller stories and the story that he is telling. And I'll go even further because God's message to Zechariah was greater than he could have ever imagined because there were specific descriptions that the angel gave Zechariah about his son. That his son's name was going to be John, right? That people were going to rejoice at his coming, which we saw in verse 58, that people were going to be led back to the Father, that he was going to go filled with the Holy Spirit, and in the spirit and power of Elijah, he was going to turn hearts of the parents back to their children, and the wicked to the way of the righteous, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He wasn't vague about what his life was going to be like. I think as parents, a lot of times we look at children and we're like, what will they become? And that is exciting and it is scary when we think about some of our past lives because we think about the things that we have been through and we're like, oh man, I don't want to mess this up. But I think what the angel's showing Zechariah is like, you can't mess it up. This is a special person that I'm bringing to this world and you are his father. Amazing. This John was the John that was going to go before Jesus. There wasn't so much wondering. We wonder. But, but God gave him the details to Gabriel. And that's exciting news for us in this Christmas season. That Jesus was coming the one before Jesus was coming, that it was promised, and that, that, that is part of the story. Um, God, the third thing I want you to see is that he provides us with these learning experiences. I think it's interesting that Zechariah wasn't quick to believe when the angel had told him what was going to happen. And it's kind of like that he'd been praying for a long time like my wife was, and it was like, yeah. You know, and I don't think he was numb because I don't think that's the right way to think of it. But I think he just stopped expecting God to show up in the moments that he was praying. It's kind of like this little bit of disbelief. And so Zechariah asks him, he says, how do I know that what you're saying is true? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And we're not getting younger. And Gabriel responds to Zechariah by telling him that he stands before the Lord. And he's like, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And since you're not going to believe me, I'm going to make you silent until what I say comes true. And I believe it's kind of funny because when I see that and I think of what the angel did in that moment, I almost expected like, it, it, it's like we want to see it and we're like, it's a punishment. And I do believe it was a punishment because, you know, there's this dialogue happening between him and his wife. But I also kind of think of it as something really special because it really slows him down. Kind of like I was slowed down by the pandemic. Like, it slowed him down. And so he had to experience what God was doing 
in that moment. Like, he could see. Have you ever heard that statement, a picture paints a thousand words? Think about that. If he couldn't hear and they couldn't communicate that way, but he could watch, how much stronger do you think him and his relationship with his wife became because of what they had to endure? That's one thing. But then think of it. I want you to think of all the other things that he got to experience as he quietly sat there and watched his wife. There is a glow that expecting mothers give, guys. Like their hair gets shiny, their skin gets fabulous, right? I'm not making this up. They even stop wearing makeup, and then their lips get pouty, but they're still cute. They don't think they are, but we know they are. Thank you. And and then, and then, every five seconds, they're like, I want a graham cracker or like a snack, right? And you give them a snack because you feel for them, right? And, And that's, so Zechariah probably had that. He probably carried a box of snacks with him when he sat next to her. He's like, you know, I can't really say anything, and so I'll just keep the options open here. <laughs> it's a merciful gesture of God not to take his sight or to kill him or kick him out of the temple. He takes away his hearing, right, for nine months. Or no, or oh, I'm sorry, he took away his ability to talk, not his hearing, not his hearing. I, re- I read somewhere that some of the people might have thought he was also deaf, Yes, because of the signs. Um, so, Zechariah will see firsthand the miracle God is bringing about, and as he observes, he will grow in belief and trust towards God. God is who he says he is, and he's doing what he said he was do, what he was going to do. And you can't argue that proof. He would still see all of it. Like, he was paying attention, and he was watching the story unfold of his coming son, which led to anticipation at the other son to come. Because if God could provide this miracle for this barren woman, he most certainly is going to provide a baby for the virgin. Okay. So that brings us to the last thing this morning in that God allows us to be part of the story. So these three things, right, that God... Sorry, I am tired. God finds a way to enter the story. God um, gives us messages that are specific and personal. And God God uses consequences. No, that's not it. Sorry, guys. God provides us with learning experiences. That's what I said. Um, And then four, God allows us to join in, right? So it's all these things that he cares about the matters and desires of our heart. It's a very personal interaction in all of these different things. After John had been born on the eighth day, they had come to circumcise him. And when they were going to name him Zechariah after his father, Elizabeth said, no, name him John. And then they asked Zechariah and he asked for a tablet and wrote that his name is John. When this decision to name John was made, Zechariah's mouth flew open. And immediately he just starts proclaiming God's praises. And he's declaring this bigger story of the coming Jesus. Because he mentions two children, right? That God is raising up a horn of salvation for the people of Israel. That is strength in the kingdom of Jesus. That he is raising up. And my son... 
he says, he will be mighty before the Lord and declare the way for the coming Messiah. God has not um, so we were given an opportunity there to join in that when when So our little story, right, because as he was talking and he was talking about the coming Jesus and he's talking about his son, he's really, it's like this bigger overarching story that Zechariah's story fits inside of. Like John is coming, which is a foreshadow. It is a forerunner. It is the, what is going before the coming of Jesus and as Zechariah is living in that reality of the birth of his son, he is looking and anticipating and becoming a part of that bigger story of Jesus that is coming. God is not and will not forget our little stories considering the big story that he is telling. He continues to remember us and he continues to work on our behalf. I think it's amazing that he came into an impossible situation. I think it's absolutely amazing that he's allowing us to be part of his story. I think it's incredible that we get to be a part of that and that it's all orchestrated by him. That we are just joining in what he's doing. If the desires of our heart did not matter to God, he would forget us. But he has not forgotten us. And I think the passage here shows us that because even when we stopped believing God would show up, he continued to do so. Which should give us this idea that when we pray and we reach out to God that he is going to show up. And not just for that moment, but for greater moments. And an even bigger story that we get to be a part of when we realize the story he's telling. Which I believe Zechariah experienced when he saw his child growing in the stomach of his wife for those nine months. And then afterwards, when his tongue was loosened, because everything he heard had become true, he was able to be filled with the Spirit. His body had become something that was conducive to the Holy Spirit, that it could live there. And he proclaimed God's praises. What happened in his life in those nine months that allowed him to join in? It's incredible. So what do we do with that information? One is we are hearing and getting excited about the story of John born to Zechariah. I want you to think about Jesus, the one that's going to follow, the one that John is heralding with his life, the one that John is saying, make straight the path for the Lord. And maybe this morning you're like, I've never... I've never identified as someone who believes in Jesus. But I believe something in that story that God does care because my desires do matter to him and he wants to enter my story. Today might be the day that he wants to enter your story. And if that's something that you want to talk about, you can talk to myself or Daniel. Um, is there a prayer team over there today? Ibrahim, at the end of the service, he's one of our elders. Um, and ask, how do I, how am I saved? 
how do I know Jesus? How do I come into relationship with Jesus? And two, I want you to look for ways that God has shown you that he has not forgotten you in your story. And I want you to write them down, that you can remember those in the Christmas season. Because God is near to us, and he has not forgotten us in our little stories while telling his big story. Please pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you that you are so good, Lord, that you, that you meet us, God, that you find ways to enter our story. that you give us messages that are personal and specific, God. That you give us learning opportunities to trust you, Lord. That you allow us to join you, God. I pray that you would give us these opportunities, that we would see them, and we would praise you, God. In your name, amen. So I'm going to invite you guys up for a time of communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting with some of his closest friends in a room. And he took bread and he said, this bread represents my body that was broken for you. And so every time you eat of it, I want you to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the blood of the new covenant. And every time you partake of it, you are proclaiming my coming kingdom over and over again until I return.